Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Back here on Gojo and Golik, it is time now for Catch It or Trash It. Presented by DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with code GOJO because life's more fun when you're in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. So in this edition of Crash It or Trash It, it's going out to those who are still holding on to Buffalo Bills division winner tickets. This one has been a roller coaster ride this season, opening at plus 135 to begin the year, getting up to as high as plus 1600 in week 14. Now it's a winner-take-all matchup against Miami for the AFC East in week 18. And that is where we are going to start our superlative segment for this week because there are a few divisions still up for grabs here, gentlemen. That leads us into the first of our Week 17 superlatives. Guys, who is most likely to win their division? What do you think, huh? Be honest. Huh. Yeah, we got plenty of Week 18 clinching scenarios, Dad, but starting with that one, the Bills versus the Dolphins, we got a long time before this matchup's going to be played in Miami. Some bang, banged up coming out of that last game. Bradley oh, Chubb, the second wow. of their great pass rushers, lost to an ACL injury at the end of this game in a way that was just brutal. You had Tua Tungabailoa sit out the end of the fourth quarter with a sore shoulder. It sounds like that was as much about the game flow as it was managing that, but... Eileen Buffalo in this one, Dad. We saw earlier in the year the things that the Bills have that can bother this Dolphins outfit as great as they are. I just think at this point, the trajectory of their seasons and the injuries that have hurt the Dolphins versus the way Buffalo's been playing as of late has them going in opposite directions. 
So I can't pick this game because I'll be calling this game. And you're not you're not kidding. Chubb, you lose Phillips earlier in the year. I mean, your two best pass rushers gone. Mostert's been nicked up as well. I mean, really amazing as as they took a, a beating uh, last week. Certainly, as far as Emerson's question of most likely to win their division, I would go, and there's a lot of teams involved in this, but I would go with the case of just one, only one scenario, not not a win and something else has to happen, right? Uh, yeah. It would be, it would be, you know, an or, then that's fine. Like Cowboys getting in there with a win or an Eagles loss. So I would go with just one. In all honesty, I probably lean down toward the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning their division yeah. because they're playing Carolina, right? They're playing Carolina. The Bucs just win and they're in. I, I, I would be stunned at a loss here, quite honestly. Now, is Tampa Bay one of the better teams in the league? No, I don't think so. But I think of all the teams we're looking at, Jacksonville clinches with a win over the Titans. But, man, you got Trevor Lawrence, who's been nicked up. Colts need help. Texans need help. Uh, Eagles need help. So I pick somebody who just and, – and Bill's Dolphins, like I said, I can't pick it because I'm calling it. But those are two good teams. So even if I could pick that game, I wouldn't in this particular question. I would probably still lean toward Tampa Bay getting the win over one of the worst, if not the worst team in all the NFL to win that division. Yeah, no, that's probably a pretty safe bet at this point. While uh, we had that weirdness with Atlanta the other week, that's just as much an Atlanta problem yeah. and the fact that it's the NFC South this year. Like, once we pan back out, you were right, talking about the playoff scenarios before. When you've looked, the NFC South fight's been kind of interesting this year because the Bucks have exceeded expectations and the pan and the uh, excuse me, and the Saints and the Falcons had the easiest schedules in football. Then you pan back out and remember there are real teams playing out there and you go, okay, we probably don't have to worry too, too much about this. So I I I'm with with you on that one there the rest of it we'll have all week to kind of work our way through but right. most everyone else does come with that or and trying to list out clinching scenarios is the thing that makes my eyes glaze over faster than fake playoff scenarios for the college football playoff during the year so we'll save you guys all the struggle on that and just say there's a bunch of interesting worlds where a lot of teams especially in the AFC have a very real shot of still making it to the postseason dad let's get to our second superlative the most disrespected from this last weekend and talk about this Russell Wilson thing going on out here in Denver. Just an absolute PR fiasco for the Broncos who benched Russell Wilson this weekend. Uh, they go out there and actually then back it up and play pretty well and get the win there. But uh, everything that led up to that moment, Dad, that Russell Wilson has addressed, by the way, in terms of the Denver Broncos coming to him after their win over the Kansas City Chiefs, asking him to restructure the injury guarantee portion of his contract, and if not threatening him with being benched at that time for the last month of the season where we've talked about Russell Wilson has not been the reason they've lost football games, has played better than some people expected, albeit still not pay playing up to that price tag. Dad, in all your years playing and covering the NFL, have you ever seen anything quite as ugly as this playing out with this particular situation? Yes. I mean, if this just happened to get played out in public, this happens a lot. I mean, but I'm a, saying a, a the public nature of it. That's the yeah. factor in this. Yeah. Is, is that the best thing in the world? No. But what it shows you is this is a business. 
It's always been a business, and you got to take care of you. This stuff happens. There are injury protection deals in a lot of quarterbacks' deals and, and even other players' deals to where behind the scenes, they're basically the team will say, we thought that maybe about Kyler Murray. I think he's got a 28 or $29 million, something like that, injury protection. We wondered if he'd even see the field this year. And for those that may not know what we're saying, is that Russell Wilson had a, what was it, 30 million, uh, 30 or 39 million? If he had gotten hurt and didn't pass a physical in March, that injury protection number would have kicked in for like $39 million. So basically, Denver did what other teams have done and said, you know what, we're not going to play this guy because we don't want him to get hurt. This one just happened to play out in public. And that this didn't shock me one bit, not one bit. I mean, this is, this is the ugly business side of football. I don't blame Russell Wilson one bit for standing his ground. Other players will give. And listen, there are players every year that take a pay cut. Don't restructure. That's a different thing. They have to take a pay cut or they're going to be cut. That's the NFL. You negotiate a deal, and then a year they can say, listen, take a half million dollar, take a million dollar, take a two million dollar haircut, or we're going to release you. And not everybody's Russell Wilson. Some guys have to do it to stay on the team. But it's a business. It's a business that this one played out in public. Did it turn ugly? Yeah, it turned ugly because we looked, we saw the hot dog being made. That's we saw the ingredients of the hot well, dog. We saw because the ingredients this being made because Russell Wilson decided to invite us into the kitchen on this. Yes. Like, that's the and other factor is they decided to mess with the bull and they got the horns on this because Russell Wilson, it yep. sounds like I think per Mike Sando at The Athletic, decided to leak this because he was threatened with being benched and ultimately and, was benched. And because he's Russell Wilson, he's going to be on another team next year. Right. But there are players, again, who have to go through this that aren't Russell Wilson. So you know what they're not going to do? They're not going to make it public. They're not going to do it because they want to be on another team. Russell Wilson is in a position where he can go out and say it. And remember how this started with Russell Wilson, you know, with, with Sean Payton right out of the gate. The only people in this building are going to be, you know, Bronco employees, meaning any of the people, you know, uh, Russell had around work going to be a, around. This started contentious. But this is Sean Payton get paid a lot of money, and the owner said, we need to build a winner here. And a lot of us never thought that the Sean Payton-Russell Wilson styles were going to mesh. And while Russell Wilson played better this year than he did last year, this is a complete business decision, which is made all the time in the NFL. But because of the circumstances of who it was, Russell can make this public because he's Russell Wilson and he's going to have a job somewhere that this looks ugly to the public. But I'm just telling you, this is business. Is he going to have a job somewhere? Oh, yeah. Mike, he can sign. He is guaranteed money next year. He can sign, I think, for less than $3 million somewhere, and the rest of his money is paid by the Broncos. Teams can get him for a monster discount because he's guaranteed that money next year. So, and the Broncos have to pay it if it's a, I believe, I, have to, I, I want to check on this, if it's a small enough amount by another team, Denver is paying the bulk of that what is owed. So you could actually get him on a discount. But like as Russell Wilson, the player who like put it this way, 
who are teams that are looking at Russell Wilson, the player, after what we've seen? Because while he has played better, he's a guy that you kind of have to manage around, right? You're not asking him to go out there and lead the charge. You're asking him to just drive with hands at 10-2 and two right now. As Mina Kimes famously said on her YouTube channel, you're not letting Russ cook anymore. You're asking Russ to make snacks. And I just wonder how many teams that is going to be appealing to in 2024 as a starter in the NFL at this juncture of his career. The Patriots would love somebody who could make a simple snack right now. Patriots, I mean, Raiders, I mean, uh, I'm, you know. Commanders, maybe? Let, do, do, let, let, me do, let, let, let me ask it this way, Mike. Let me throw it back at, to you. Next year, Russell Wilson will not be on the Denver Broncos. Will he be a starting quarterback for another NFL team? I say yes. Probably yes, but I'll put it to you like this. Yeah. If you're a team in the NFL and you find out Russell Wilson's your quarterback next year, are you excited? Because my answer is no. Um, well, whoever takes them would be excited because it's probably better than what they have. That's why they're taking them. So there I, I might be it, some like, excitement. This is not like your long-term well, answer. I don't think there's right. a, like, you're on the down, so, you're on the back nine of Russell Wilson's career. And none of the teams that we mentioned, Patriots, Raiders, Commanders, look like playoff teams in my mind if Russell Wilson's so, under center. So here's what I say. If you get a chance, a lot depends on where you are. If I'm a veteran on a team... I want Russell Wilson and not a rookie because while the franchise may draft one of these rookies and say, we're preparing for the future and I'm a nine year, eight year vet. I don't give a damn about that. I want to win right now. So I want to see Russell Wilson on my team. So I think a lot of it depends on the team because we know there are 53 or 52 other guys in that locker room who want to win now and know that if you have a rookie running the show, Again, Houston's the exception, not the rule, that you're most likely not making the playoffs. So if you have veterans on a team, they sure as hell would want to have Russell Wilson, you know, even though maybe he clashes personality-wise and makes people, you know, raise an eyebrow a little bit, that they would want him over a rookie quarterback because they as veterans don't want to sit there and go through some rebuilding. Seems like a bridge guy at this point in his career. Like, he, again, yeah. he's played well enough at this uh, juncture this year to win. He can do that. But if you're trying to talk about ceilings there, it's a moderately high floor, and I don't think an extraordinarily high ceiling. The biggest victory in all of this, by the way, though, Russell Wilson managing PR here, everybody was on his side, it seemed, coming off yes. of this. For Russell Wilson, who has ridden the PR roller coaster since leaving Seattle, a lot of his former teammates airing grievances once that finally happened and that marriage dissolved. Resolved. This has been a guy who has been basically universally looked at coming off this and said he got mistreated in this situation and will be painted in a favorable light coming off of it. So this is one of those, Mike, where it's billionaires and millionaires. And a lot yeah. of times the millionaires are looked upon, oh, look at how they're being wronged by the billionaires. So that's, I mean, does anybody at the end of the day really care? I mean, how it went down doesn't look good. But as I said, this is a business that just part of it that just went public and the lesser person who makes the lesser money is perceived as being screwed by the big the, by the big bosses you know the big money people so certainly you're on the side of the player and i get it i completely understand that Right. I, I think we're almost always on the side of the player here, right? That's just, you know, yes. bone biases walking into this, wanting to see those guys get it. As far as coach and player treatment, Dad, a lot has been made of the way Sean Payton treated Russell Wilson throughout this. Did that stand out to you in any way that seemed abnormal? 
Well, I mean, you, we, as I said, we knew from the beginning this relationship. We all questioned this relationship. And, you know, a lot of us have raised an eyebrow about how Russell Wilson goes about his business sometimes. Even teammates, you're gonna, I think you're going to continue to find teammates talking about him. Maybe not the most liked guy in the world, but as I said, you don't have 53 guys holding hands singing Kumbaya. It doesn't work that way. You know, you want a guy that's going to go out and perform and try and help you win. And if he does that, nobody cares what the personality is like as long as you're helping the team win. And when he was horrible last year, as well as that team was horrible last year, all that goes out the window. But he played better this year. Sean Payton came in and just, listen, Sean Payton came in and did what any company that is floundering does when they bring in a new boss. Change it. Make us a winner, right? This team last won in 2015 with Peyton Manning winning the Super Bowl, and through then it's been dreck as far as quarterbacks. So this company, think of it as a company, has been horrible. So a new boss comes in and the owners say, man, go do your thing. Do what you have to do to get us back. Unfortunately, it involved getting rid of a guy who is, hasn't even started his extension yet. I mean, yeah. that's the mind-boggling thing here. If they cut him, which they're going to have to do because nobody's trading for that, it results in an $85 million cap charge plus $39 billion in, million in guaranteed money for 24. Now, the caps can be split up over a couple of years, but then he's due $37 million in 2025. So it was a horrible deal. When you, you gave your guy, Sean Payton, the power, and now you're going, oh, God, <laughs> there's a lot of money going on on our side. This better work. But the, Sean Payton is doing exactly what anybody that hires somebody to clean up the mess would do. He came in it, and he's doing it his way. We're just seeing a lot of it, like I said, through the public eye, and it just doesn't look pretty sometimes. Yeah, Russell Wilson had played better this season, but still hadn't played up to the number that he was brought over to Denver at. And so I think we can all understand. We just didn't think, given the financial constraints, you mentioned that they would actually pull the trigger on yeah. something like this and make yeah. it happen. I think that's the startling part. But Sean Payton coming in and saying, my future here is going to be tied. And we always thought this to Russell Wilson's success and balking at that based on what he's seen and saying, I'd like to roll the dice with somebody else. Not all that surprising. And I think the thing that exacerbates all this, Dad, is Sean Payton came in and did it coaching like Bill Parcells. Like he came yep. in coaching like the old world. We're in the new world. What do we get more often? Mike McDaniel coming in and showing Tua Tungavailoa 700 play reel right. of why he's great and rebuilding his confidence and doing all these things that just probably are never been in Sean Payton's DNA no. given the way that he came up in the NFL and so yeah it definitely looks different and is a bit jarring and we got to see way more but play out is it ugly and probably not fitting of someone of Russell Wilson's, Russell Wilson's stature absolutely but it's still something that we've seen a lot more often I just think a lot less often in this modern day and age with yeah. football and the way people tend to approach this and it's a good point about Sean Payton and the way he's going about his business as opposed to the young coordinators that get head coaching jobs and how they do it. It's just a different world right now. And a lot of these guys that have been around for a while aren't going to change. They can adjust some, you know, like, like people have said, Tom Coughlin adjusted toward the end of his career because he was about as hardcore as you could possibly be. So is there an adjustment that you have to make? Sure, but you're still not going to lose the values and ways you were brought up coaching coaching players today and Sean Payton showed that but we're just in a day and age where we kept thinking well they're they're tied to Russell Wilson nothing they can do about it they're tied to him 
where now all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God. We haven't seen, you know, we start to see higher dead money amounts on quarterbacks at times. But this, again, we haven't even got to the extension. And we haven't even got to the extension. I, I and tell you dude what this is does. going to be gone. I tell you what this does. The amount of pressure on the Broncos and on Sean Payton oh. to stick the next version of this that comes. Because now if you're Sean Payton, think about how you came into Denver. It's not to absolve them of anything that's going on. You came in and you burned the entire previous staff yes. in your first interview yep. over the summer. And now you very clearly tried to push the quarterback out because, like you said, it was abundantly clear. He just probably didn't like Russell Wilson as his quarterback walking in based on the things that we saw in that. And so now if you're Sean Payton, there's pressure on you to not only help hand pick who comes next but to make it work with somebody that's not drew Brees now like that is going to yeah, instantly yeah. turn up the heater yes. on sean oh it is because of the the handy how strapped they are money wise because of the dead money and what he's going to have to do but but he basically is 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 changing the scene there it's like the rock and walking tall you know, after after he gets voted after he gets voted in to be the sheriff, right? He gets voted in to be the sheriff. He takes his pickup truck. He goes to the station, and the guy he beats comes out and says, "Hey, you beat me fair and square, but all these deputies here, I can vouch for them to to be on your squad." And he goes, "You're all fired." <laughs> I mean, that's Sean Payton just saying, "You're you're gone unless you unless you abide by what I want, Russell Wilson." And, and get rid of the injury settlement or, or injury uh, 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 clause, you're gone. You know, we're going to redo this thing. And, and that's where he is, man. He's a, he's a guy who's been around for a while, and I think you hit the nail on the head. He's not Mike McDaniel. He's not one of these young coaches trying to deal with the player of today. Because in all honesty, Russell Wilson isn't like a player of today. Russell Wilson's a player of yesteryear. He's been around uh, for a little while. But you're right. Sean's got to hit it. Sean's got to hit it now, now hamstrung by, by some cap issues. 9-19 Eastern, January 2nd, 2024. I'd imagine the first and only walking tall reference that anybody in sports media is going to make in a breakdown this year. Dad, I never saw it coming. An absolute <laughs> masterclass. Bravo. The Rock back on Raw and back on this show. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Go Joe and Bullock. We obviously had a, a ton to react to from college football last night. 
because of everything that went on on the field. Off the field, it was interesting, Dad, as I, I know there are a lot of people that seem divided at times or that want to be cynical about the Rose Bowl and all of the pageantry around it. I think the Rose Bowl committee takes themselves way too seriously and yes. at, at times yes. holds up progress in college football in a way that's annoying. But there is no denying that being out there and getting to see that setting in person, that stadium, the pomp and circumstance of it all, it, it does hit different. There really is not a lot like it that I've encountered. And I saw J.J. Watt tweet about it, pound for pound, Dad. That is the nicest grass that I have ever seen right. or felt in my life. Yeah, I, I've never, uh, in college, never played on that field, so I don't have any reference to that. But it, it's, it, it, you know... I agree they take themselves a little too seriously. It has to be part of this process now. But the stealth bomber flyover, is there anything better than that? I mean, it, it was just incredible. And then, obviously, when you get a great game to boot, it, it adds to it. But uh, it all worked out because you thought Rose Bowl a while ago was going to balk at how the new system was going to be. But you knew there's no way they were going to. They weren't going to be left out of all of this to try and, you know, stay on their high horse as far as what the Rose Bowl was. So they were going to acquiesce, and they did, and and they should. Uh, and it was a great game, and it's a great setting. Let's just let's just we, we, it, we loved it. It was it was fantastic. So let's 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 enjoy that. Absolutely. And you had all of that, the sunset, it's it's all perfect. Like it, it really yeah. is one of the more unique experiences. You have that on one side during the game action. And then in the Sugar Bowl, you had the B-roll shot from Bourbon Street that went a little wild on somebody who filmed that for ESPN when you had someone pop in the top right in the middle of a shot coming back from break here. Both very quintessentially yeah. of the area. Yeah. Like you captured the essence of Bourbon Street around New Year's. So I guess job well done, ESPN. Hell yeah, brother. Hell it's all about yeah. getting your beads. All about getting your beads, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it certainly is. Yeah. Uh, apparently, it was in that moment there. Uh, and for anyone missed it, go look it up on God's internet. And you'll see yeah. exactly oh, it's what there. we're talking about. Yeah. There. Don't do it on a work <laughs> it, computer, though. Yeah, no, no don't. <laughs> it's, it's, it's there and they're there. <clears throat> so there you go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I know one member of sports media that might go looking for that based on his ad search history. But um, we'll uh, instead look at some other comments that I thought were interesting coming off the weekend, Dad. Um, the college football playoff, I saw a lot of people in the aftermath of this. And you mentioned it off the top of the show. Hey, Florida State probably could have done what Alabama did in that game as they were the ones left on the outside of this. We saw the other version of that after Florida State played over the weekend against Georgia and the Orange Ball where they lost by 60 points in a game yeah. that was never close in a game where Florida State had 20 or 30 opt-out players either between injury, the portal, or the draft that made the team look completely different. And I always thought using the outcomes of these games in bowl season – as a reason to retroactively legislate what should have happened in the CFP discussion is silly. You make those decisions based on the body of work that leads up to it. And then we understand circumstances change in the postseason surrounding all these games. And I thought Kirby Smart, the head coach of Georgia, who is now fully transcending into his Saban era as the man who has largely been on top of college football, pontificating about what he thinks should happen. And he stood up there in the postgame press conference, dad, and looked at everybody in that room and said, something's got to change i hope everyone saw what happened here and basically said this served no one florida state in their current form going out there to play in that game served nobody and now we need to fix this system so how much how right do you think he is in his assessment of the sport right now dad 
Well, I mean, listen, we, we, we all, it, it's like if you don't make the playoffs or, or uh, before it was the BCS, when it was just two teams, it was like, okay, what are the other matchups? What other good games can we get? So you, you were able to look forward to, especially some New Year's Six Bowls, right? And, and, and see the matchups and say, okay, we're not getting this in the playoffs or for the title, but boy, oh boy, this could be a great matchup. And that's gone by the wayside. And it's not going back, at least in, in present form, because players are going to opt out. Players are going to transfer. That, that's not going to change. What is happening is things that have happened in sports all the time. Things change. How do you adapt to that change? So what do you do? There are so many people that hate all the bowl games anyway, right? I mean, this isn't just this year or last year we're saying there's too many bowls. This has been going on since I was doing Mike and Mike at ESPN. And my, my answer had always been, then don't watch them. Nobody is forcing you to turn on said bowl game. You don't have to watch it. So why complain there's too many when you don't have to sit down and subject yourself to them? This has been going on for decades. Now it's just at a bigger point because so many players are out. Now, when you used to look forward to a Florida State, Oregon, uh, a Florida State, uh, Georgia, Georgia matchup in the past. Now you knew you weren't going to get it because what were there 20 opt-outs, I think, for Florida State? So it wasn't going to happen. So you tell me the feasible and, and, and even we had never had an opt-out or a portal transfer of the last four teams standing, but you had it here with a backup quarterback. Remember, if Quinn Ewers ever went down, Malik Murphy was the guy. It wasn't Arch Manning. And Malik, Mur Malik Murphy left. He, he left. Yeah. He went into the portal. So he was gone from Texas. It would have been Arch Manning. Had Quinn, and Quinn Ewers did smack his head off the turf, and you thought he would maybe miss a little bit of time. So I don't know how this changes. Mike, you, you can't, and you can explain better than I, the, the obvious answer would be change the portal date. So these guys don't have to jump in the portal until after the bowl games, and then they can all play, and then the only opt-outs you would have are a small percentage of players, albeit the stars of the team, that would miss because they want to go prepare for the NFL draft. But you wouldn't have 20 others who are opting to go to a different college, yeah. but you can't just change the portal dates. No, because you've got to have guys enrolled by a certain point in January for schools academically. That's the biggest hang-up in all this is because we're still treating this like quote-unquote amateurism and NCAA athletics and not the business that a lot of people see it for now, you've got to abide by those rules. And so you're not going to be able to change the portal date. Nicole Arbach at The Athletic did a great article about yes. some of the potential changes there. A lot of it, and like I don't want to put this all just on the players too, Hugh Freeze gave you the goods. Auburn's head coach came out after that loss and basically said, I hadn't been involved in the game planning a ton because I was worried about recruiting. We've seen other coaches that have turned the page and taken new jobs. Plenty yep. of these teams were being coached by interim guys. Notre Dame played an Oregon State team that was a shell of itself with a yep. coach who wasn't going to be there after this tenure likely either. So all of those things are factors because the calendar's jacked up. You can definitely ditch the early signing period so it's one less thing on those coaches' plates in terms of getting those recruits signed in December, another thing they've got to factor in, and just move it back to February. I think 
the most interesting result because not every bowl is going to be the cheese it or pop tart bowl either we'll get to some of the right, discussion right. around that where you've got the fun goofy bowl that can lean into all yes. the bits although i do think every bowl sponsor should be a product and i saw someone say this that you could buy at a gas station it should be a food product you could buy at a gas station <laughs> we'd all be better for it in the non-new year six bowls and that should be the case but the other interesting thing nicole put out there that i think is worth exploring is dissolve the conference affiliations with bowl games for everyone that's unaware every bowl game has conference right. affiliations based on the tiers that teams finish in inside their respective conferences they've got tie-ins to certain bowl games and as we're watching the conference structure dissolve before our very eyes and change drastically in that world i do think having more agency for the bowl games to pick matchups where you can kind of forecast what's going to happen because dad in 2023 in bowl season this is a real all politics are local situation you've got understandable reasons why a lot of players are going to change and why a lot of coaches are going to go take jobs and move on to greener pastures and I think that's going to be variable each year because so many team situations are different in terms of who might be coming back, what your team situation looks like for next year. I think the Georges and Bamas of the world deserve a lot of credit for creating an environment where players are clearly bought in enough to want to come back and play in these big time games. We saw it with the draft eligible guys from Bama last year and we saw it yep. with Georgia from this year, but everywhere else you're trying to hit a moving target. And I think having a bowl system that reflects that might be helpful. And I, I still don't know what fixes it, Mike, because for years we've had guys sit out who are preparing for the NFL, and we've had coaches change teams. The new thing here is the portal, and it's by far the biggest amount of players. So I, I honestly don't know the remedy for that. I, I, I don't know how that's going to change, and if it doesn't change, this is what bowl season is going to look like. Then we have to rely on very creative bowls like the Pop-Tart Bowl. We have to rely on that and on volume. College sports is its lesser counterpart to the pros. You don't win with better quality in college football. You never have. You win with volume, and that's always been true of bowl season. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Back here with a new segment we are calling Tums and Yums. It is sponsored by Tums. With Tums Fast Heartburn Relief, your favorite foods are never a gamble. It really is the perfect sponsor for this show because basically we just talk food here. And we have a perfect crossover of food and sport during bowl season when the giant Pop-Tart sacrificed himself for the winner of the Pop-Tarts Bowl in Orlando. Mr. Pop-Tart walked, though, so giant Cheez-It could run, although this dude didn't want to suffer a similar fate. 
and fall victim to a ritual sacrifice. So the guys have an expert standing by to talk <laughs> college football, a man who watched in person Mr. Pop-Tart get eaten alive and stood there and did nothing to save him. <laughs> yeah, you know what? We do have to uh, probably talk about that elephant in the room here. As you're right, Tums could not be a more perfect sponsor for a show that is basically walking heartburn. They saved my life during college football as a 300-pounder walking out to practice each and every day. But they couldn't save the Pop-Tarts life. So let's talk to Anish Shroff, ESPN and Carolina Panthers play-by-play -play announcer, who has been on the call, Dad, for I think two of the most important games in modern bowl yep. history. As Anish and I were on the call for the 2021 yep. Duke mayo bowl with the mayo bath heard around the world and now anish what was it like watching history unfold yet again as you were on call for nc state and uh kansas state in the inaugural pop tarts bowl this year it was mesmerizing it really was because the night before the game doing my journalistic diligence i wanted details on the exact way and the process that all this would go down i said you have an edible mascot we knew that much so I wanted to know the manner in which he was eaten. And I had questions. I said, are, are we going to do you know, sort of like a kid's birthday party where everybody breaks off a piece and there's a mom or dad who puts it on a plate and hands it to everybody and you pass it down? Are we going to do it in an organized, civilized way? Or, or again, the, the television part of it, um, what's better television? What if you go full Nat Geo and you just attack <laughs> this thing like a vicious pack of jackals descending upon its prey? I mean, that, that is great television, and they found this happy medium, so they would not tell me the night before. So before the game, I see this guy come out of a giant toaster right at midfield a few minutes before kickoff, and I go, okay, you know what? We want to do, you want to do ritual sacrifice? I'll do ritual sacrifice. Let's go. So along those lines, as I mentioned, you, you did the Duke's Mayo Bowl with Mike a couple of years ago where Mike hey, sticks sure an did. Oreo in the – in, in the mayonnaise and eats it. And the head coach, the winning head coach, got a bunch of mayo dumped on him. So you have done two incredible bowls from that standpoint. Do you think we had just been talking about bowl games and how bad they've been because of the portal and all the changes? Do you think this is where bowl games need to go is kind of say, don't look at the game. Look over here. Look at this Pop-Tart that we're all going to eat at the end of the game. Or look at this jar of mayonnaise that we're going to dump on the coach. Is that, where, is that where the bowls need to end up going? Yeah, and th there will be some old crotchety writers, uh, the ones who dragged us a few years ago, Mike, because uh, we had fun <laughs> off the bit on the air, and uh, we didn't value the sanctity of of college football, 18 to 22 year olds playing when a bunch of guys are, are not playing because they're going to another school or uh, they want to get ready for an NFL dream that may or may not come true. So uh, there will be those people in that corner. How dare you not just call the game and how dare you make it about food and how dare you do all this. Uh, but there's an entertainment factor. And, and you guys have both done bowl games. There are so many of them where the sponsor just basically slaps their name on it. And that's it. And you don't hear from them. You don't see them. They're not visible. They don't really care. And essentially for us as broadcasters, it's a name on a card. It is this bowl sponsored by this or sponsor and then read the name of the bowl game. When you have Duke's Mayo, when you have Pop-Tarts and Cheez-Its and some of these other brands that say we can laugh at ourselves, we can lean into this, we can have fun especially this time of the year. I think it makes it more fun just for the casual viewer. Um, and uh, listen, the Pop-Tarts Bowl, we got the, I think, uh, you know, 
I don't know what the ratings are for the playoff games and then the New Year's Six games. I'm sure they were higher, but um, up until, you know, the last couple of days, that was the highest rated bowl game to date as of, I guess, December 29th. Yeah, it, it was proof in the pudding, or in this case, in the Pop-Tart, that people tuned in. People were interested in that. And everyone played their part in this, including you and Nish. I shocked and horrified to find out going into this game. You had never actually yeah. had a Pop-Tart before going into oh. this one. So I always gave you credit at the Mayo Bowl. You dove right in in a situation that was much more skewed towards my disgusting food habits than yours. What was your first Pop-Tart experience like here? Yeah, so to, to backtrack... Um, I think it's shocking. You and I spent an entire season together on the road, and I didn't have a pop tart. You, you, that, that's that's failure on your part. That is, that's bad coaching here. I used to watch Anisha's disgusted face when I would go and pile drive Uncrustables by the truck before games, and so I should have taken that next step in pocketed jelly-related foods and given you a pop tart. That is on me. You know what? I got, I got a full disclosure here before we get into the pop tarts. I have. Um, become a fan and a consumer <laughs> of Uncrustables. So, oh yeah. Um, oh, just what a, I'm like a proud it, it dad. The, not the gel, not the grape jelly one. I think it was the raspberry, the strawberry one, the strawberry one. So, uh, you know what? I didn't give these, I, I judged before I tried. Um, so with the Pop-Tarts for whatever reason, you know, when I grew up as a kid, um, it's not like we had healthy food. We had Lucky Charms and Tricks and Fruity Pebbles and all the gross cereal that you're not supposed to eat. We had Elio's Pizza. For whatever reason, maybe because Pop-Tarts didn't have enough coupons in the Sunday paper, we didn't have ah. Pop-Tarts at home. We just didn't have Pop-Tarts. So I never tried them. And then I got to college and, you know, they were there, but yeah, I never had them growing up and just never had the urge to try them. And time passes on and all of a sudden you're an adult. And then, uh, hey, you never, I, yeah, you know what? I've never had a Pop-Tart. So when I opened it up, I didn't even know there were two in a bag versus one. I had no idea. So, yeah, the ah. first experience of the Pop-Tart, they were good. It was it was very sugary. I mean, that sugar high hit probably one commercial break after I had the Pop-Tart. I said, whoa, <laughs> you could feel it coursing through your bloodstream. So, yeah, it was good. I, I cannot believe it. That's two people. Jesse Cofield, who normally sitting where, where Emerson sits, she had never had a Pop-Tart when we were talking about the Pop-Tarts ball. And now I can't believe you. I can't believe you haven't had it. That's all. I'm glad. Yeah, but you can't, that you, you can't believe. You you and your son can't believe because you're two offensive linemen. So you've tried every single food that's probably out there on the planet. Whoa, I'm a defensive lineman. Defensive He's an lineman. offensive Ooh. lineman. Defensive yeah, that's defensive. okay. Yeah. Still a lineman. lineman. Still a lineman. lineman. Uh, understood. <laughs> a type, type 2 diabetic. You've had yeah. Pop-Tarts before. There you go. Hey, uh, on, on actually a serious note, we were just talking about how these bowl games with all the transfer and, and the portal, how, how it's changed. Do you have a way to, I mean, everybody wants to fix this. Do you have a way that, that, that it could make the bowl games more competitive so we don't get the Georgia-Florida State game we got? Yeah, I would like to see it at the beginning of the season, get rid of week zero and have a two, two-and-a-half week lead up into week one and play these bowl games then, and what do you get? You get great non-conference matchup. You get exposure for the group of five teams. You get exposure for the smaller conference teams. Um, they get the ESPN, ABC, Fox, Windows, whatever they are. I, I think do it at the beginning of the season, especially now if you're going to expand the playoff. I want to see more non-conference matchups early on. You got teams that don't schedule non-conference matchups, teams that go to the playoff. Michigan's a great example. Michigan played nobody in non-conference. Doesn't take away what they've done and they're going to play for a championship. But to me, you know, these games mean something. The regular season means something. There's more teams that have a stake 
and potentially getting to the playoff, play the Bulls at the beginning of the season. It is interesting. There's some precedent in European soccer when it comes to that. I saw Mike Ryan from over at the Levitard show mention that as well. And uh, I'd imagine everything is going to be on the table at this point because when you've got guys like Kirby Smart using their time after a win like that, devoted towards this saying we've got to change something, people tend to listen. And we've seen a bunch of other change in college football in recent years. So the more the merrier at this point here. Anish, you're the best. Everyone, make sure you check out what bowl games Anish is calling every year because yes. It is predictive towards mascot-related chaos and something being devoured in front of us. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, yeah, man. The, the, I, I, Mike, I can't believe he didn't have his Pop-Tart. Another one that didn't ever had a Pop-Tart. He's right, though. This is like the one-cent stamp story from me back in college where you guys didn't teach me how to mail a letter properly, so I looked like an idiot. This one's on me. I was Anisha's teammate. I got to put my hand up and say I let him down. All right, time to finish off the show the way that we always do, even in the new year. Uh, this, that, and the third, three quick stories to send you off on into the rest of the year. I found out it's a leap year the other day, too, so enjoy that one when we get to February. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us a five-star rating, and check us out live here Monday through Friday from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on DraftKingsNetwork.com, the DraftKings YouTube channel, Samsung TV+, Plus, Roku, all sorts of great places. Tell your friends about it and bring them over. But if you miss any of it, you can catch us and our great guests like Anish Shroff, ESPN, and Carolina Panthers play-by-play announcer anywhere you get your podcast as well as right here on YouTube after the show's done dad hey Mike real quick I want to ask you did when you and Anish did the mayonnaise thing did did you guys get from the network at all like hey okay maybe don't do all that or did you get do you hear anything from them no, we didn't get any pushback, mostly because we didn't tell them most of what we were going to do, to be honest. like our, our our normal producer was out sick in that game. We had a producer that was in there, Paul Irvin, who did a great job in that game that kind of let us do our thing. And so we just sort of kept that close to the vest and then just decided to let it ride. I, I bring that up because uh, years ago uh, at ESPN, I was doing the Outback Bowl, again, years ago. And, you know, what do they have as the appetizer? The Bloomin' Onion. And, of mm. course, they brought a Bloomin' Onion up to the, up to the booth yeah. And I kept eating said Bloomin' Onion. And they kept coming to do a booth shot of me eating Bloomin' Onion to the point where at halftime, one of the muckety mucks at ESPN called me, called me at halftime and said, okay, let's stop eating the Bloomin' Onion. I'm like, <laughs> they're a sponsor. They're, a, you know, we're having a little bit of fun. They're a sponsor. Let's stop eating the Bloomin' Onion. No more eating the Bloomin' can, Onion. I'm like, oh my God, what a bunch of non I mean, that, I was just like, are you kidding me? You start eating a blooming onion. Who the hell can stop eating a blooming? That's onion? exactly right. So damn good. With that dipping sauce. Yes. Oh, seriously. Yes. Put that on the pole. Wow. If someone puts a blooming onion down in oh. front of you, is it yeah. physically possible to stop eating it? Because I do not think so. And oh, by the way, I I, I didn't really listen. I just kept eating said blooming onion, yeah. which certainly shouldn't shock anybody because it's food. You said bad service in here, dude. Sorry. Yeah, dad, dad, as always, ahead of your time on that and an innovator, our uh, genetic makeup has never been more apparent to people <laughs> than it is right now as we have both uh, gone in and bastardized bowl season with on-air consumption. But uh, speaking of doing fun things on ESPN, guys, let's get to this. This oh. might have been 
the funniest moment on college game day in the last decade. Take a listen to Pat McAfee, Reese Davis, and the rest of the crew as Reese tries to navigate a very interesting acronym that Alabama's quarterback made use of. Jalen Milrow often wears his own branded apparel reading LANK across the front. It's an acronym that stands for Let a Naysayer Know. Being told by his former offensive coordinator, that Bill O'Brien. That is not what I thought. Is that not what you thought? Boy, let a naysayer know. Let a naysayer know. <laughs> of course. The professional's right in the middle of his lead. That's all right. I just I keep going. I thought you almost lost me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 it got real tight up here as you were. I just want you <laughs> Wow. In, in that wow. one moment... Pat McAfee worth every dollar that you yeah. paid. For that moment alone, Pat McAfee worth every dollar that you paid to him. That was Charles Barkley levels of on-air hilarious oh. there. Reese Davis, the ultimate professional, and Pat McAfee, a conduit for the people on that who were all sitting there really worried oh. when Reese Davis started that work. <laughs> were throats getting a little tight on that one? Ooh. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was uh, – and then, and then everybody normally would have just let it go and just yeah. breathe the sigh of relief. Not Pat. <laughs> Pat wasn't letting that one go. <laughs> Woo! Glad I thought you were didn't think that you were going to say that. <laughs> but because of that, we got like the world class like chuckle fest from Joey Galloway and like others. That's what made it so funny. <laughs> oh, it was everybody trusted each other enough to do that because you normally don't break in when Reese is doing the down no. camera monologue mm -hmm. lead up to the story there and Reese able to navigate that in a way that few can because he is the consummate professional everyone played their parts the memes were incredibly giving yeah. right now we all understood the assignment that was incredible there and I, I, exactly what Pat was brought there to do like did the job there and did it flawlessly so uh, bravo to everybody involved here uh that was incredible emerson let's get to that we had a little okay. bit of nhl winter classic action which means we get to do some fit checks yeah that's right speaking of understanding the assignment here the winter classic it's produced some sensational pregame attire in previous years and yesterday in seattle the kraken and golden knights hopped on that trend in a big way vegas showing up in elvis costumes Certainly uh, did not disappoint what you're seeing right now are the members of the Kraken who showed up in fisherman uniforms and were carrying fish as they arrived. It's hard to do it better than what these two teams just did in the latest installment of the Winter Classic, Gojo. This is like what we just talked about with the niche in the bowl games. It's okay to have fun around sports sometimes. Absolutely. This is the perfect yes. example of everybody feeling the moment the right way and going and do it. I err on the side of the fisherman costumes, Dad, but the Vegas Elvis, obviously a tried and true staple. Oh, listen, they both hit the nail on the head yep. for their respective cities, right? I mean, without question. I went to one of these when the Blackhawks, I forgot who they played. Me and your mother went when it was at Notre Dame Stadium. I love the Winter Classic. I think it is fantastic to watch. But then to play into it, and again, when these guys are on the ice field, whatever you're going to be on, you, you take it serious and you play, but God forbid you have a little bit of fun and you play into it a little bit. I loved this. I thought it was fantastic. Standing O for both teams for playing into this and then playing a game after it, but that was fantastic. This much, we're watching the video of the walkout right now where you've got yeah. fishermen throwing fishes yeah. over the Kraken yes. players. Walking out that much fire near an ice rink seems like a kind of a bad idea. The level of pyrotechnics there near something <laughs> that can melt, but 
it really you know what once we let vegas in the door in sports yeah. everyone yes. decided to lean more into the showmanship aspect of it so yep. chestnut checkers from every league involved as we've let residences now infiltrate sports uh let's guys finish this up with the third we've got emerson on the show today our nation's foremost jacksonville jaguars fan and representative here hmm. and emerson your team was at the center of uh Interesting moment this weekend involving an owner in sports, so I want to let you get some things the, off your chest here. The good people of Jacksonville being abused by Panthers owner David Tepper. We had a classic old-fashioned Tepper tantrum with this video that was <laughs> making its rounds on social media. Dude completely disrespected the fans throwing a drink on them, and we haven't heard anything from the team up to this point. I mean, my guess is the owner saying, no, don't put anything like out about it. But uh, the guy's been a controversial figure uh, among critics for, you know, his unstable franchise and just running in and out of head coaches. But not a great look here, gentlemen. Not a great look at all. And I'm telling you right now, being from Jacksonville, the people do not deserve that treatment, okay? Don't take your frustration out on the fans below you as you sit up high on your mighty suite there well, at midfield. Go ahead. Pretty pretty high, but like not that far away from the fans. Like you saw in no. that video, no. you could basically climb up yeah. into those boxes and you saw everyone else in that box. When David Tepper, who clearly is a little bit in over his head, I think yes. at this point, as an owner of an NFL franchise, voicing or showing some of his frustration, Dad, you saw everybody else in that bo box immediately go, oh God, yeah. and just get on the phone and start realizing how much damage control they were going to have to do in that moment. Listen, the, the guy has, has, a, has a quick temper as far as a quick uh, trigger finger on firing coaches. And again, not just in football and other things, sporting, sports teams he owns as well. So haven't heard much about this since. Has, has, have they, has Carolina even put out a statement yet? No, dude, uh, About this? So. We haven't heard have, anything. Have not seen it. The biggest thing here, and I think, I think you will not be shocked, Mike, when I go down this road. Now, you're in a suite, the drinks are free, but you can't waste a drink. No. You just no. can't do it. Can't, no. can't do it. Now, again, he can just go back and, you know, he can afford all the drinks he want and in the suite, the drinks, you know, you're, you're getting them. They're right there. It's pretty much free-flowing. That still doesn't, that still doesn't uh, okay you wasting a drink. And just horrible sportsmanship by doing what he did, uh, but don't waste the drink. No. Horrible humanship. Like, that's bad human yeah. behavior. Yes. That's what, that, that, it's like right after spitting on somebody, like, this is the most disrespectful, like, non-physical thing you could really do to another human. Absolutely. Although probably not the, even the most offensive thing someone's seen in that box, as uh, I can confirm, yeah. oh. uh, being at the Gator Bowl last year down there when Notre Dame played South Carolina, I might have been twerking on one of those desks in the owner's box watching that game. <laughs> so the fans below got a show that they weren't expecting to pay for. Yeah. Panthers fans hoping he's forced to sell the team now. <laughs> for sure. Very quickly. There's recent precedent for that. So Carolina's used to that. <laughs> Thanks so much. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.